Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey, you guys, welcome to podcast number 50. Oh. I seriously, I just want to say thanks. It deserved an intro. It deserved the beatbox. I never know what to do when a grown man beatboxes in front of me. Yes, you do. You always know what to do. <laughs> um. Anyway. 50 is exciting. We're 50, and I, I'm so happy. Like, I have loved every second of it. I'm so grateful for the community um we've had we've met so many amazing people um throughout this journey and just people that will be like oh my gosh i love your podcast i've been listening to it like so glad to meet you in person it's yeah. just fun to like be a part of it and so anyway well, plus the really amount of people grateful. i've been able to start working with yeah um we just were i just got the coolest message last night i shared it with you we literally were both crying yeah it was it was awesome that the message from somebody and sending a picture of their family united and her husband and the father of the children who was lost as could be back together and yeah enjoying a beautiful special sunday together and it all just uh started yeah the pot yeah listening to this podcast so that's a bit 50 is a big deal it is we should go home and make out after oh okay i i haven't showered yet but after that i'm game that's okay great um yeah for sure so, uh, Danny has to tell you guys something hilarious okay, real we're, quick before we, we get started. Yeah, the, this the subject this today is rehab and why so many people think it doesn't work. Yeah. And truly why. And it, why it doesn't work. Why it doesn't work for yeah, a lot of people. Yeah. But we're going to get into that. Before, I wish I could show you a picture, but everyone knows this, okay? Regardless of whether you go to church or which church you go to. Every bathroom has these little signs. Well, at our church, they have these like green signs for men or women. Right. And <laughs> so there's like the words and the, then a picture. There's the words, the pictures, and, and then, then there's one more item. Yeah, one more item. In the bigger bathrooms, they have Braille. Yeah. Is that that's what is that Braille. proper way to say yeah. it? Yeah. She will correct me, which I love. I, well, do you notice you said it right, so the longer we've been married, you've been correcting me less and less because of all your effort. Mm, okay. It's amazing. <laughs> Still, there's a word that I'll never stop saying because I think the dictionary is wrong. Oh yeah. No. It, well, there's two of wrong. them. It's snook. Like he snook up on me and scared me. And it's not a word. It doesn't matter how many times and she you're corrects not going to pass it on to the next generation. I won't yet let you. Okay. Anyway, and, back to the sign. Yes. So we're, we're sure this was last week. We're at church and I'm with my daughter. Oh my gosh. She's so sweet. She has that little voice still daddy, daddy. And so she just has me wrapped around her finger. <laughs> so of course she likes to go to the bathroom like three times during church. So I take her out and we go to the bathroom and she likes to go in there by herself. Now she's a big girl, right? She's going to go in there. So I always hold her hand and then when we get there, she lets go and she's like, okay, daddy, I'm going to go in by myself. So we walk to the bathroom and she's like, I can't go in that one. <laughs> it's the big, it's the bathroom everybody uses, right? It's the biggest. It, it says women. There's even the handicap sign because it's accessible for anybody, yeah. but it's like the main bathroom. And she's like, I can't use it. I'm like, what do you mean you can't use it? You've, you've used this a hundred times. What are you talking about? Just go. She's like, see those little dots, those little teeny <laughs> dots on there, on, right up Dale. And I was like, yeah. And she said, Roman, who's her older brother, not much older, says, you can't use that bathroom. 
That's that's for drunk people. <laughs> if it has and I was braille. Like, what? He's like, yeah, they're so drunk. They can't eat. They just can't see and they're stumbling. And they just feel the wall. And I was like, whoa. So somewhere, somehow someone planted an idea in our son. Yeah. I just love that both of them think there's a, like a, a, a marked bathroom at church for drunk people. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, there should be. There should. I think it's really nice and inclusive. I just love that Roman was like, Willa, don't go in there. You uh, can't. That's the bathroom for Yeah, and it is fun because I thought it was just a joke he was pulling on her, and apparently he's been avoiding that bathroom for a long time. <laughs> we have to find the root of yeah. this, this story. It's it so is great. unbelievable. So good times. Oh, mercy. Good times with fam fam. But we are talking about that today. We're talking Why about rehab. Rehab doesn't work. Yeah, because we all know, uh, all of us could tell a story of like somebody that went to rehab and it was it was the most pointless. Hey, Danny himself could testify of that. Yeah. He went to rehab several times. Well, not several, but a couple. Yeah. Well, that's several. <laughs> well, more than one is several for some, but there are people yeah. who go six, seven, eight, nine. Actually, I just reached out to a treatment center last week and ran a verification of benefits for a client, check their availability. We got talking about insurance and yada, yada. He's like, yeah, we just had a first person declined and it was on the same insurance policy that the client I had. And he's like, well, she had been to treatment 21 times this calendar year. Yeah, that's... I was like, holy moly. That's a, a lot. That's a much different... There's a bigger problem going on there. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so I just... And I just want to kind of start out by saying I do think that there are... I, I think one hurdle to get over for rehab in general is just that there are people that feel like, oh man, like our problem is not big enough for rehab, right? Like they don't even want the stigma of... A, Boom, a, there's that word. Rehab being attached to anybody in their family because it's not really that big of a deal. Like, we've got this. Like, they just need to, like, stop their behavior and then it'll be fine. Oh, it so I, I think that's one thing. It's it. You nailed it. Real. It's the biggest thing that actually impedes people from ever even trying. Right. Is this mindset or mentality that, oh, well. My kid isn't, like, they don't need that. It does not matter. Their, their status, their wealth, their... It doesn't matter anything. They all feel the same. Yeah. And I always like to share a funny little story. So I did go to treatment. I did the Hollywood 28 day stay. I, I told everybody what they wanted to hear. I, I pretty much just put on a show left. I was good. No longer needed help. It wasn't a problem anymore. Well, I ended up back there and I just like to paint this picture. When I went back like a year later and things got tragically worse, Again, if you've heard my story, you know my dad and brother found me clinging for life in and out of consciousness in the basement of an abandoned home. Well, when they took me to the hospital, got me detoxed, and took me to treatment center, I weighed less than 100 pounds. All my veins were still black. You could just follow the veins up and down my arms. And I was in a wheelchair. I still had cheekbones sticking out of my face. Like, you know, that look like a skeleton at Halloween. And I was in a wheelchair because I couldn't walk. I had been in an accident. Oh my gosh, all these things. Me and a friend trying to rob the drug dealers went through the windshield of my car. I mean, it's ridiculous. So here I am in this state, pathetic state, skinny, look like crap, face sucked in, in a wheelchair, two broken legs. I get wheeled into treatment, wheeled in. I mean, that's something else. Yeah, that's when you're real special. Yeah, you just get wheeled in, grand entrance. Sat in group the first day. Hi, hi, would you like to share? They look at me. 
Tell us your name. Said, pass. I'm not like the rest of you losers. Yeah. That is the stigma. That's how strong it is. For for the person. I looked like the poster child. I looked like a train wreck. Like people were scared of me. Yeah. And yet I went in there and I said, I'm not like you people. Yeah. I'm way better than you guys. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that one up. Yeah. Stigma is a huge one. How many times do you think since we've been married, have I done these like, like extreme weight cuts? Uh, four or five, probably four or five times in what? 10 years. Yeah. So for a long time, we owned and operated some restaurants. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I was clean living a life of recovery, but food became my way of coping. And you know, we all get inspired by whether it's a wedding or a vacation, awesome vacation coming up to get in shape. Yeah. So over this 10 years, there were times where my weight got out of control and I did some extreme measures, right? Yeah. Like, like a 30 day cut, like a, a serious hard like, 30 day macros cut. Yeah. Yep. Where they, you were starving. They worked. <laughs> yeah, they worked. They did, though. You dropped a lot of weight. You did fast. And how many times did those cuts stay or how long do you think they stayed? Until mm, the end of the vacation. <laughs> Whoa. I was going to give myself more credit than that. Jeez no, I'm Louise. just saying like your habits really didn't change that much. So by the end of the vacation, you were ready to kind of go back into like. Yes. Your and over the next couple of weeks and space. months, it, it comes right back on. Right. It's the same concept. Yeah. It's the same concept. Of why people fail when it goes when it comes to going to treatment to rehab. Yeah, because they're just kind of hanging on. They're trying to fix a freaking problem. Yeah, it's the most common thing. Everybody gets fed up. They get desperate. It's like, oh my gosh, we just got to fix the problem. What's it going to take? That's how I used to feel. Oh my gosh, I'm fat. My daughter thought I was the one going to have a baby. Fat shame me in the shower, and I was like, ah, I got to fix the problem. Yeah. So we do we do drastic measures to try to fix it, and it does work. Yeah. The problem is it, it well, doesn't it, stick. It fixes it, but it doesn't heal it. It doesn't right? heal it. And that is truly what recovery is. It's a process of healing. So if you Google it, okay, jump on. We all love that crazy world of you don't know anything. You just Google it. If you Google, why do why do why why does rehab not work for people? Yeah. Well, first of all, you'll find several different resources and places claiming different things. But if you kind of looked... I actually did it last night and took one or two off of every of the first like 15 searches that came up. I took like one or two things that were the same in all of them because they all differed, but there was a few that were the same. And the top reasons were the program doesn't meet your needs. There's not enough, not enough time in treatment. Lack of participation. A traumatic event. And what that means is for those, for those that don't maybe understand that it's usually not while you're in treatment, but you go and you come home, you lose your, you lose your job. That's traumatic. Yeah. Your wife still files for divorce. That's traumatic. Yeah. The kids that you abandoned and hurt during your addiction don't want to have anything to do with you still, even though you're like trying. Yeah, that's trauma traumatic. on the reentry yeah. to life. Trauma on the reentry. Yeah. And then unqualified. Maybe. Yeah. I spent years going in and out of treatment centers and you soon realize that some of them are doing the hard work. Mm-hmm. They're just like God's soldiers here helping. And then there's other places that maybe you're trying to trying to 
just make a good business to make some money. So well, it is a good business to be in. It is a good business to be in. So those are the main reasons, right? Those are kind of the boring Google reasons that you'll find. Yeah. Well, well I want to know what the real reasons are. So tell us. Let's break it down. If you've never been to rehab and you're wondering what rehab's like. If you I'm, haven't been to rehab. Oh, did I say have? Yeah. See, I told you guys, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> if you have not. My goodness. Danny's here to, to explain the journey for you. Thank you. I'm sure it's really lovely. I mean, aside from being gorgeous, <laughs> and I'm so attracted to you every day, every minute, that I'm like, what would I do? Like, I would people would discredit me all the He's time. He's really trying to get this make out in while the kids are at school, guys. Feel it. It's the only way it happens. We all know it. <laughs> a rehab is a building, <clears throat> a facility that is full of broken people. So think of your loved one, whoever that is, they're a mess. I just described what I look like when they wheeled me in. Broken, trash. So this person you love that's broken has is so emotionally unstable, volatile, you're taking them into a building where there's 15 to 30 other people just like them. Yeah. So imagine, right? It's intense. We used to teach nursery at church, which was full of like 25 babies. <laughs> right? Yeah. I forgot about it. It was mayhem. I blocked it out. Yeah. It was traumatic. But they're babies, right? Now we're talking about grown adults. Yeah. And not only are they in there for an hour, but they're in there 24 seven. Yeah. And if you can imagine this, the few comforts that each of them had in life, whether it was illicit drugs, prescription medication, pornography, alcohol, whatever it was for most, it's usually all of that. You took it away. So now they're, they're, they're out of their mind. Well, they're volatile. They're, it sounds they're crazy. like really volatile. So if you want to paint the picture, it doesn't matter. They're, they are businesses. Most of them intended to help people heal from these terrible addictions, but they are a building regardless of what they look like online with, oh, we do equine therapy or we do experiential therapy or we do holistic healing or we have, they all have these awesome things. Sure. But it's like they're describing their business almost like the way a hotel would to lure you into this place. Sure. Yeah. Like, are you this type of client yeah. or this? So I can't even tell you how often I find people who are stuck trying to just figure out between these couple of treatment centers that maybe their sister told them or this girlfriend in their book club told them or whatever it is. They're going somewhere that is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Regardless of if it's $50,000 a month or five. Yes. There is a lot of people in there dealing with a lot of things. Yeah. So that's what it is. People's expectations of sending your loved one to a place and you're going to pay this amount, you're going to get the insurance and you're going to send them there and they're going to come home better. You can just bag that idea entirely. Yeah. You're sending them somewhere. And I like to describe it as there. I put a few of my thoughts down that I share with people all the time. This is the truth. You're sending them to a safe place. Yeah. No, I just described it as being crazy. But it is safe. Yeah. Why is it safe? Well, because there's no drugs there. Uh, there's there are people there like security that aren't gonna like allow, you know. Yeah. Major fights. Correct. Things like that. Yes, you're safe. There's your drug dealers not coming in to rehab. Right. And they do have people there to protect people from each other. Yeah. There are, even though outnumbered, clinical experts to help. 
well and medical I, experts to also help. it's got to be a relief too um for families to to know like i know where my loved one is, is. yep like I most know often the mom or the wife they sleep better once they get them there than they have in a very long time yeah it's also a place where your loved one goes to start sleeping normally to start working on their diet and to to, to receive stip stip stabilization stable stabilization whoa they become stable okay truly i tell people i'm like one of the best parts is they're going to go somewhere they're going to start eating food more regularly having better bowel movements they're going to like sleep they're just going to kind of do those human things that we need to do yeah they'll also begin to slowly heal although the healing is limited because once a person becomes comfortable enough to sit in a room or a chair for an hour without crawling through their skin itching twitching biting their nails there's not a lot of time but they do start the healing process mm-hmm they're removed from the world and the temptations around them, right? Yeah. It's a lot of people use the term the pink cloud. Yeah. Because not only are they away from the threats, maybe drug dealers or people they had harmed or stolen from, but they're also safe from their own wreckage. Yeah. Right? This big pile of poop that's built up in their life is doesn't stink because they can't see it. Yeah, that, that would be a relief. There's a thing called MAT. MAT is used in all treatment centers, M-A-T, which is medically assisted treatment. Doctors, qualified nurses that will help prescribe them medications because they're going to need it at first, whether it's anxiety medications, antipsychotic medications, sleeping medications, but they're going to take them off of these illicit street drugs and things they've been using and abusing and get them in a better regimen like that. You remove shame because you're in a place where everyone else is just as broken as you. You find one foot to stand on. I think if anyone goes into treatment and comes out, if you did the work and you you did what was required, you are now you now have one foot to stand on. Which I think is su- such a good um, illustration of what it is. Yeah. Because I think so many people <clears throat> view it as like, like we've been saying, getting fixed. Like, okay, let's like it's like you get in a car wreck take your car to the shop when you go pick it back up you're expecting it to look and drive the same yep and the truth about rehab is you're literally it's just like getting roadside assistance like getting you off the road yep like that your journey is not and and you're not even stable on one foot like i got a low center of gravity because i'm short but man i stand on one foot and i probably have better balance than most people on two but when i say they have one foot yeah you literally mean one they're still just like swaying back and forth on that one foot yeah easily knocked over yeah they also get to begin preparing for the road ahead usually it's not till the last part uh, of their stay but they start kind of just looking at what they need to do to inch forward which must be really scary and here's the number one reason why treatment centers are beneficial is because you get to hit the reset button but I just got off the phone right before we walked into the studio to record and with a very successful father. And I told him, Hey, I know you're meeting with your son today. I know he reached out for help. The walls have closed in on him. This son is in his late thirties, has had a lot of success, even had some recovery under his belt years ago. I said, here's what's going to happen. He's going to say, okay, I need help, but here's what I'm willing to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Here's, here are my terms. You know, I'll, I'll meet with a therapist and I'll go to an outpatient group a couple times a week. But I'm not going to 
allow discomfort to come into my life. So going in allows everybody to hit a reset button. Yeah. And da, 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 ching, the biggest gift to this whole thing is the wife, the spouse or the parents, the family. Because when you go somewhere, like you said, the family all feels like they get a break. They get a break. They get yeah. a break. They're usually so excited. Well, because as a mom, I'm just thinking through like if I didn't know where my child was like a majority of the time, then at least once they were, even if they were in jail, to be honest, it, it gives you some sort of comfort that like you know where they are. Yep. And like it would be against the law for them to be killed yeah. in there. Often so, families immediately will go on a little vacation. Like they'll yeah. just go on a spur of the moment vacation. Oh my gosh, we got them in. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> they can go and be free for a minute because they're sucked into this problem too. So those we listed out are just why you go, the benefits of going. So why does it fail? Let's address the question. I guess yeah. we're beating around the bush. Yeah. Why does it fail, in your opinion? You know, a really, a really dear friend of mine who owns and operates a treatment center now, he went in, I think, eight or nine times when I was talking to him the other day. It's a very common story. Over this last 15 years, I've met with a lot of people that had many more attempts. I know you were teasing me saying several, but <laughs> I'm talking like I had a failed attempt and then went, but a lot of them, it's five, six, seven times. <clears throat> you can imagine not only the financial impact on a family doing that, but also the emotional yeah, that's... toll that takes to like kind of get your hopes up and to come crashing down. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through a few of these. I know it's not the most exciting thing, but let's really figure it out. But it's really relevant. It's very relevant. Why does it fail? To the point that a lot of people think, oh, it's not worth it. Yeah, well, they're just like, well, why would I pay for it again? Like it's Correct. a revolving door. Those who are willing and those who are going to support them and make this journey possible just don't understand the whole picture. So you. Yeah. Your expectation. The parents, the yeah. spouse, the family. You think it's the end solution when really it is just the very first step. Yeah. Like if you're ever going to run a marathon and you, you know, you're trying to prepare for a marathon, the actual marathon isn't, it's the plan before. Mm -hmm. Oh, the marathon's the easy part. So the rehab is like someone just showing you the regiment. Like here's the, here's the workout plan that you need to do. Yeah. For the next couple of months, you're going to have to run this amount each day, then this amount each day, and you're going to rest this much. And you're going to run this amount each day. That's what rehab does. It gives you the roadmap. You still have to show up yeah. to the marathon and run it. Yeah. Well, and you have to show up when you don't feel like it, yeah. which is something that you talk about all the time, which is recovery only happens when you do what you don't feel like doing. Correct. But is required. Yeah. And if you go down this journey, please, even if you get to this point on your own and don't need help, reach out to me or another professional and just consult with them on hey what what does the whole picture look like yeah for sure we got them in they're gonna go they're going in monday because it's it's we're not gonna get into it now but there's several steps yeah that come after but i love that because the reason why it fails like maybe the number one reason why it fails is because your expectation is way off yeah the expectation of the family is way off yeah so the other the other issue is there's nothing to fix we talked about this just a minute ago. Your loved one has nothing wrong with them that needs to be fixed. 
Now, are they broken? Are they a mess? Of course. But they need time to heal. They need a a program put together, and there's lots of different ways to do it. Well, and but I they like give that them time to heal. That's that's what it is. Is fixing. I mean, like I can break my nail and then I can like glue it back on real quick, and it might last, you know, the day. But I'm like, if you're looking for healing, that is a completely different approach. Yep. Fixing versus healing is is like a an a huge overarching co- yep. concept in recovery. Well, and for families specifically correct. to understand. If your addiction started because of something heavy, catastrophic, you were sexually abused, or if your addiction started because of something simple out of maybe curiosity, peer pressure, you didn't feel like you fit in. You're wondering how you're ever going to grow up to be like someone else. Yeah. Not quite is heavy. It's something like being sexual. Molested. It doesn't matter. Something started it, but over the course of your addiction, everyone experiences serious trauma. Yeah. Serious trauma and wreckage. So there's no fixing. It, it doesn't matter how it started. That's why a lot of people get caught up. Oh, they just need to knock it off. Yeah. So you need time to heal. You, you have got to have time to heal. After all these years of doing this and being involved with so many people, I've broken it down to just one simple thing. There is only one reason why people either have success, they recover, they become the best version of themselves, or they continue to be repeat customers to rehab or never even attempt or die. One thing, there is only one difference between those people. Those who are willing to do whatever it takes rather than what they feel like doing. Yeah. And that's a big one. Most often people that are doing long programs, like they go, oh, we're going to go to this residential program. Then I have to go to this intensive outpatient program. Then I have to go to outpatient. I have to check in for all these times. I have to do drug tests for a year. Guess how, guess why they're doing that? Is it because they're willing? Yeah, no, they're, they're doing what's required. They're doing what's required. They don't want to. And they're doing it because a, co- a judge in a court gave them this court order that says, if you don't do all of this, yeah, you're going to jail. Oh my goodness, they become willing to do whatever it takes at that point. Yeah. But that's sad. It's sad that there's so many incredible families out there that they wait until it gets to that point. You've got to become the reason. Every ounce of support that you're going to give them now, two months from now, three months from now, six months from now, every little bit of it, emotional, financial, any form of of support has got to be contingent upon them putting in place a long and rigorous program. Yep. So imagine coming home with little to no coping skills, right? You go somewhere for 30 days, you get that one leg to stand on, you're wobbling around. You come home and all the comforts that you had that allowed you to escape. Because I'll tell you, we all have these days, life is so has so much pressure and it just takes a toll on us. Yeah. That having that escape for some people, oh my gosh, it's the greatest thing ever. But we all know that it just sucks you down. I'm not going to get sidetracked, but... They come home and they don't get to escape. And they have no coping skills. They have no coping skills. It's tough. They're very agitated. And not only that, but that big pile of poop we talked about earlier. Yeah. They can smell it. Yeah. They can see it. Wasted time. Kids looking at you differently. Spouse doesn't feel emotionally or physically connected to you because they don't trust you. You're everyone walks around some pins and needles. You don't have a job. You're in debt. You have bills backed up. You've pawned your things. I mean, the pile of records is terrible. 
for you to be able to come home and survive with that mountain in front of you. It's so hard. There's not a high probability. There's not, there is not a high probability. I mean, when you think about that, just like those feelings are feelings that are make you want to crawl out of your skin. If you feel like you can't even be comfortable in your own home and it's because of you, like, you know why you're not comfortable there. That's, that's dark. You know, that's, that's a tough thing to carry when you're used to being able to escape even small discomforts. That's a major one. And when you know exactly how to escape, it's easy for me to see how somebody could just slip right back into an old habit because man, that's who wants to sit and feel that. Well, it's hard for a normal person to understand. They're like, well, gosh, your life's been a wreck like this for months or years. Like what's new? Let me just remind you that they were high all the time. Yeah. I didn't survive without understanding how to master the ability to be high all the time. In the few moments that you were not high, you were obsessing about what? Getting high. Getting high. Yeah. Never acknowledging your problems. Yeah. So it's a big deal. Yeah, that is big. Trauma or tragedy. People come home and we all know that happens. Maybe you get home and your wife's like, you know what? This just isn't going to work and they leave. Maybe you realize your employer just terminated you. Maybe your home is going to foreclose. Maybe you're getting evicted. All sorts of different levels of trauma. Maybe you come home so excited to see your kids and your daughter still is scared to hug you. That's traumatic. Yeah. Those things just knock people right off their rocker. Yep. Because again, they're only standing on one leg at this yep. point. Rehab gives you one leg to stand so on. So I don't care it, what people say about a facility. I don't care what kind of care you think they got or the quality of the food or the linens. They went somewhere and hit a reset button and it's not the rehab's fault when they fail. It's not. Mm-mm. It's the lack of understanding what it takes to ha- and how to support them when they come home. Yep. When they come home, it's like, imagine when you're, we're driving down the road and they're doing road construction on the side of the road. We all know that like, there's this tiny section where there's danger, but they put a thousand freaking barricades on the road miles ahead Yeah. and miles after. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, we just all merged over here. They have us barricaded between the median and all these cones forever. For 50 feet of construction. It's the same thing. The things that are going to knock your loved one off the rocker when they get home are no different yeah. than where that road construction is. Yeah. And what you need to do is barricade them well before and well after those threats with so many different things. Yeah. There's so many layers of support they need. It's almost imagining all those orange cones are a different thing they're going to need to support them when they get home. And sorry to say, but there's so much support that like a spouse or a child will need too, because they have a lot of feelings going on too. So it's one thing to help support, you know, the one re-entering life, but the people that are having to feel all the feelings and have been feeling them the whole time, they also need time to process and be insulated a bit. Regardless of what treatment you send her to go, and the last subject I want to talk about is this. Regardless of which one you go to, there's a precursor, I guess. <laughs> For generations and even, I guess, decades at least I know of, 95% of treatment centers across the country were centered around one thing. The fundamental cornerstone of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is was the backbone of so many of these, the 12-step group you may know it as, 
but it was centered around coming to believe in a power greater than yourself. Coming to know and understand, maybe even have the courage to believe in God. So the precursor is nowadays, you know, the world we live in is still ridiculous. There's treatment centers popping up every day that are like, oh, you don't have to believe in God. Don't worry. We just use ketamine, salt baths. You're going to, we're going to do all this holistic stuff. You can, you don't need to believe in anything but yourself. It's a marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. They take away the scariest thing, which is believing in something Something greater, something that can help. Yeah. So I'm just going to talk about the majority still even though you start to hear about these places more and more that are removing that cornerstone, there's nothing in our country, our society, or on the planet for that matter, that has made a bigger impact in helping more millions of lives than Alcoholics Anonymous, the big book. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of places stem the core of their program from. And it's You go into a place and most treatment centers that do it right are going to introduce to you and they do have different ways, right? They're not saying it has to be like a certain church or, but they're introducing to you and they even use the word higher power to just help you say, okay, if you just believe it's in an energy, if you can't even describe it or try to like figure out what that is, just start to believe in something bigger than you. Mm -hmm. That's what they teach in a majority of these treatment centers. It is the only way a person can survive. Yeah. So when you learn that, you start to even grasp the concept of that a little bit. Let's say you go somewhere and your insurance is going to cover it for 30 days. You probably feel like trash for the first week. You can't even sleep right, eat right. You're just so uncomfortable. Second week, you start to feel comfortable. Then you got like two weeks before you leave to grasp these mighty concepts. Mm -hmm. You don't have time. But as they continue to do a program of recovery, Every single person who has been in long-term recovery and healed from these life-threatening addictions has come to have a solid belief in something greater than themselves. Yeah. And it wasn't a one-time thing. I know you wanted to share. I do. I want to share something because I think about this all the time because when I met Danny, he was sober, but I mean, he was a baby in, in recovery. Like he was barely a year sober and I thought I was pretty cool though. <laughs> you did. And you were, but you still were broke. still really broken and um, ha- didn't have a lot of coping skills, right? And so there was just so much refining that still needed to be done. And I look at you now, you know, 15 years later, and I I understand like logically that, yes, it's because you've had 15 years where you didn't have a substance that was controlling you and taking your agency. But more than that, way more than that, I can see that that 15 years of rebuilding a relationship with the Savior is what actually changed who you are. And that took that that was a journey. Oh, because yeah. because scary one. At really first. scary. Because here's the thing. When you're doing things that go against what you know in your heart are, are good for you and others, you, you have shame. You just carry so much shame. And it breaks you into, the, into believing that you're unlovable, unforgivable. Even if you wanted to be different, you couldn't be different at this point, right? Like that's what it teaches you. And that is literally the opposite of the truth of 
how things can be for you. And that's, and like, when I look at Danny, I just think, my gosh, like, yes, for 15 years, he has not consumed, you know, drugs or alcohol and, and other things that, that kept him captive. But the truth of the matter is, is that he believed that, that the savior could heal him and help him become someone different than he was. And because you believed it, you actually became it. And so last night I was like talking, we were talking about this amazing person that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast that has had this transformation in her life. And I, I sent Danny, we were putting our kids to bed in, in different rooms and I sent him this quote. Um, and it's, I think I've read it before on the podcast, but it is literally like one of my favorite quotes of all time. And it's by Ezra Taft Benson. And it's, it is this. The Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take people out of the slums. Christ would take the slums out of people, and then they would take themselves out of the slums. The world would mold men by changing their environment. Christ changes men who then change their environment. The world would, sh would shape human behavior, but Christ can change human nature. And for anybody that loves um, somebody who's been struggling so hard with addiction, I just want to, I want you to know that there is hope there. It is a journey. It is a process. It is, it is not an event. It is a, a beautiful journey, but it takes a lot of patience. Yeah, it really does. It takes time. And so when you see somebody struggling and, and taking one step forward and then two steps back and then maybe a half a step forward, just know that it does take time to, to shape and change yeah. human behavior, but it can be done. And it, it really can. It's, it's the best. Please don't it's try to news. do it in house. Please don't try to handle something like this on your own. We have to learn from each other. Right. It's like my family finally learned from others that they made mistake after mistake, failed attempt, failed yeah. attempt. It was learning from others of how to make this paradigm work like this. Right. So I beg you, if you're desperately trying to get your loved one into a treatment center to help educate yourself on everything, yes. the entire marathon ahead, Yeah. what it's going to take, that how you're going to support them afterwards. The Otherwise, all that heroic effort, sacrifice, even miracles that it takes to get them there will be wasted. Yeah. Amen. We've got to learn how to support them afterwards how you can help continue to drag them along and keep those orange cones barricaded in so that they don't swerve over into danger. Well, you're giving them a chance yeah. when you do that. Well, thank you for joining us. That was number 50. We are going to finish this episode and go home and make out. We appreciate all of you guys and the <laughs> time you spend with you. Have a great week. 